are the God of restoration and redemption. Lord, you are the only one that can take us from death to life. Lord, from hopelessness to hope. Lord, you are the only one that can take us from depression to joy. Because you are the one that gives new life. And Lord, I pray today, God, that we would open up our hearts to receive everything that you have for us. Lord, whether we are new in the faith or whether we are old in the faith, God, I pray that you would stir up our hearts, God, through the things that you're doing in and through the things that you want to do. That we would believe and have audacious faith to believe you to the impossible. God, we love you today. In Jesus' name, amen. So we begin this new series called New. Um, the main text is... Uh, We'll get into that in a moment. Uh, but I encourage you um, over this time, um, if you are like me at times, I like to play through the scriptures. And I, I, I encourage you to just kind of camp out there for a while. Uh, take some time regularly, daily, um, or, or you know, every other day, or once a week or something, just to kind of look through that passage, 2 Corinthians 5, 11 through 17. You'll be very, very familiar with verse 17 that says, you know, the Christ is a new creation, you know that one. Um, but I think it's important to drop back and look at a few verses before to kind of look at it in context. I encourage you to camp out there and pray that over your situation, your circumstances, pray that over your heart, the people that are around you, the people that you've been saying about. But uh, this series is about the new life that we can have in Christ Jesus. To believe God for a new heart, a new attitude, a new mind, a new marriage, a new family. Same people, but new. Again, to have faith in Him to do the impossible, that we serve a miracle-working God, we serve a God who can raise the dead and sometimes raise the, the death in our own hearts and to save that friend that you've been praying for for many years, to save that loved one that you thought, I've prayed and prayed and I, I just don't know if it'll ever happen to give us a new sense of faith to pray and believe God that He can touch them and take them from death to life. something that you felt like could never happen and that you kind of lost hope. Something that you, that to believe God that you can work in the midst of something that you thought could never change. So maybe you are here today and you're very far from God. Maybe you're here today and you have loved ones or friends that you're burdened, that you're burdened for and they are very far from God. You come in contact with to be coworkers, to be friends at school, again, family members. Who here, you have been praying for someone specifically, and you have, it, just, it, it has felt long and it has felt drawn out and, and, and it felt kind of hopeless at times. But there's somebody specifically that maybe is on your heart and your mind right now that you're thinking of that's far away from God and you've been praying for them. A lot of people, almost everybody, and I include myself in that. I believe God wants to give us a new sense of believing Him and, 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 and trusting Him once again to pray for us again and to have hope. And again, maybe it's for you today. Maybe you're far from God. 
Maybe you're here and you have walked with God. You're a Christian, but you kind of have found yourself kind of in a spiritual rut, spiritual kind of death, kind of dryness. You've forgotten the joy of salvation, as the psalmist reminds me of the joy of my salvation. Maybe you've forgotten the mission. Maybe you've forgotten what it was like when you first belonged to Christ or those times when God was really felt very close to you and you feel like right now you're just going through the motions. I believe God wants to give you a new heart to revive your heart and give you joy today. To be reminded that you need Jesus every day too, even though you might know him, that you need him today. And I believe, guys, I am again praying about this and, and, and searching God and there's a stirring in my own heart that that we serve a God who can bring hope into hopelessness. If you read the Gospels again and you see the miracles of Christ, and He can do it and He can actually raise dead people to life. How much more could He raise a dead heart and make it live again? He can bring hope into hopelessness. He can bring peace in the midst of despair. He can bring joy in the place of heartache. Salvation to the lost, restoration of that which was broken. And so that's what I want to be talking about over the next few weeks. And I'm encouraging you, I'm inviting you on this journey to pray again for those situations you feel like are lost. Pray for people in this region. I think God wants to stir our hearts as the church to, 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 to remind us of the mission of Jesus to seek and save the lost to be transformed by the power of the gospel. And again, we get sometimes into our own little lives and we get going in our own direction and we forget about what God has called us to as the church. And literally, death and life are in the balance. And it's not, it's not all on us. I mean, we leave the pressure here. But that we pray and we ask God, God, use me how you want to use me. Help me to be intentional about praying and asking and believing. The Holy Spirit does what He does. We are not the Holy Spirit. And so the, the pressure's not on us, but that we come in contact with God and we ask and we believe. And so, praying for those people, those situations. Invite someone to come with you. And again, we will be ending this series on March 29th with the, the, the Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge Choir with whoever wants to be baptized. If you want to be baptized that day, I encourage you to sign up. Um, you know, what is baptism? Just briefly, it is going public with your faith. If you've never done that, uh, we're commanded in Scripture to do it. Um, it is not something that we believe here that saves your soul, that, that baptism equals salvation, that, you know, you just get baptized, now you're good to go, and you can live however you want to live. That's not what it means. It means I am going public with my faith. I am saying publicly I belong to Jesus. It's almost like the wedding ring, saying I belong to Him, and I'm going public with my faith. And, and, and I'm declaring my faith and as a testimony in front of others in baptism is that, you know, the, the old life is gone and the new life has come and I'm going to take that public. If you're here and you were baptized as a baby um, and you never made that choice, Acts 2, Peter gives us kind of this idea of what it means to be baptized. You know, remember he preaches the church is born. They're, they are declaring the gospel in the languages of the people around them, and the people are cut to the heart, and they say, you know, brothers, what, what, what do we do? What do we do? And Peter preaches, and he says in Acts 2.38, he says, repent 
and be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for eternal life. So repent and be baptized. And that's why here we don't baptize infants because we don't believe that they have the understanding to repent. We all believe everyone is born into sin, but children, because they don't have the cognitive understanding of what it means to repent. We do believe that they're in sin. If you have children, you understand that. We're all born into sin. But at some point, at an age, and there's no magic age, but it's an age we believe of accountability of understanding when they understand that they want to give their hearts to Christ and follow Him. That's why we dedicate babies. We follow the example of Jesus. Remember, Jesus was born on the eighth day. He was dedicated at the temple. And then at 30 years old, he was baptized by John. Now, he didn't either repent, but he set an example for us. It's to repent and be baptized. And that's what Peter said. It's to work. It's repentance means I've lived my life, now I'm living God's life. I'm living the way of Christ. I'm going to live for Him. That means that's what it's repentance. I'm going this way, now I'm going this way. And so if you want to be baptized, if, uh, if any of those meet your criteria, um, please sign up and, uh, and I'll be in contact with you. But we're going to end it with, uh, you know, that day is going to be baptisms and the Teen Challenge Choir. Why, why do we love it when the choir comes? You ever think about that? We love to see, you know, if you're like me, you're, you're in tears to hear these stories. It's because the big, the big reason we get to hear these testimonies of hopeless causes, don't we? What once was dead now is alive. And you hear these people come up, real people with real stories of brokenness, heartache, pain, addiction. This was lost, that was lost, and now they come and you see the tears and you see them, you know, just before the Lord is saying, God saved me. It's a reminder of the church of why we exist and we should wake up every day in awe and wonder of Jesus as the one who saved my soul. I mean, they had to walk through a lot of brokenness and a lot of pain, and, and I'm not saying you have to have that testimony to get there. Comedian Tim Hawkins has said, you know, I wish I was addicted to drugs in that testimony. No, you don't. But we love to see it because we see in front of us death to life. And it does something to our hearts. I think it reminds us. It reminds us of the mission. It reminds us of the power of God. It reminds us of the new life. It stirs up hope and faith that God can work in any situation. Maybe the people that you've been praying for. You know, these people up here, if you would rewind five years, you know, you probably wouldn't recognize some of them. And sometimes, you know, when they up here and they, they'll show you these know, foreign monster pictures, you know, you see their countenance changes. I mean, it's amazing when you've seen them before Christ and now they have Christ in their heart. It's amazing the difference. And we'd love to see that. One of my favorite stories, I've told this before, but some of you guys are new, and, and so ask my wife. I love telling the same stories over and over again. It just, it just, it's okay. Some of you guys, I've told it before, but you don't remember, so it's new anyway. So um, thank you for being forgetful. Um, I didn't know, I didn't, you know, I haven't seen this a lot, but uh, this particular story was when I was in basic training in the Air Force. And, you know, I wrestled about going into the military, you know, God, do you really want me to do that? And 
you know, you get there and you got all these questions because I was already married, had two little kids at the time, and I'm asking about what's the purpose of this? What, you know, what, why do you have me here? And, uh, and, and, you know, so at night, I'm, you know, the, when they have lights out, you know, guys have their flashlights out, and there's a little bit of lighting in the, in the room. And so, um, you know, so it's not like completely dark, but, you know, people write letters to home, and they're reading. So I have my Bible out, and I'm reading, and uh, there's this one guy named Mike Diegas um, who was in our flight, really a real loud, I mean, kind of a life of the party kind of guy who lived a very hard life, and was a very hard-looking guy. It was one of the things that military was kind of the last straw for him. You know, he said later, if I didn't come to the military, I'd probably end up in jail. And uh, and so he was just a very hard young man. Uh, you know, uh, and, and, and again, life of the party um, was raised Catholic, but nominally Catholic. He wasn't really much even of that. Um, he was kind of a you know um, of the, the East Sea Christian, Easter Christmas Christian. Um, you know, being with the church at that time, those times. But so I'm reading my Bible, and he walks by my bunk, and he says, what are, you, what are you doing? Of course, I want to read my Bible, and I want to be on my own. I don't need anybody talking to me. You know, I, I, you know I'm, I'm just kind of my own business here. I'm not preaching anybody. I'm not standing up on my bunk, you know, yelling at tent. Um, I'm just trying to have my quiet time. And so he asked, you know, what are you doing, man? And I'm, I'm reading my Bible. And so then he goes, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, I don't and, and that was fun for me. I'm like, Please do not bring attention to this at all. Just trying to mind my own business. So the next night, I'm reading my Bible again. He can finally read your Bible again. Kind of like, you know, why would you be doing that? Yeah, I'm reading my Bible again. Please go away. You know, is what I'm thinking. Um, he's like, oh, yeah, that's interesting. So third night, third night in a row, comes and he goes, what are you reading in the Bible? Sits down on my bunk. He wants to know what I'm reading. I happen to be in Galatians 5 about freedom in Christ. And so I'm like, you want me to just read something to you? I mean, he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I said, I read a little passage. And what does that mean? And you know, here you would think that I would get it. I mean, it's like God is putting this guy right in front of me, you know, and, and I'd like to say that I have something to do with that. That's a good encouragement all of us to press his God on us. Sometimes they're standing right there and we're like, God, what would you have me do? You know, and they're like right here. What would you have me do, God? I'm waiting, you know, and so God has, I mean, God is bringing, I don't, I'm not even taught, and this guy comes to me, what are you reading to me? And it's like Philip in the Ethiopian, you know, and, and uh, in, in the book of Acts. And, and so I start reading, and he said, what does that mean? And so I sit there with this guy and share the gospel with him about what Christ has done and he is just struck about, like, you know, like this is his life. I was raised Catholic. I don't really go to church much. I go to, you know, Easter, Christmas Mass, that kind of thing. He said, I've never heard this. I started talking about a personal relationship that God loved him and that God died because of love. And, 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 and he's like, and it's like new information. And, and, he, and he is just like, I've never heard this before. And so it is to the point now where he's like, I want to, I want to follow Christ. I, I want. What do I have to do? Do I have to go to a ceremony? So he has no earthly idea. Do I have to go to a ceremony, a church, or something? I said, No, man. God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. And he just wants your honesty. And I said, I could, I could lead you in a prayer. I mean, there's 
again, there's no magic in the prayer, but it just helps put words. I said, I can lead you in a prayer if you like, and you can, you know, ask the Lord to give you your sins and, uh, and ask Him to give you new life. And He said, I want to do that. And I'm like, okay. So here we are. I mean, we're literally, you know, in our t-shirts, got your boxer shorts on because, you know, you just don't wear clothes. You can have to keep them all folded just right. And boxer shorts, flip-flops, t-shirts sitting on my bunk. And so I'm trying my hardest not to draw a lot of attention to this. So I'm like, so I just, you know, I, I, so I can read your prayer. And, and as I'm about to start praying for him quietly, he says, yeah, I don't feel like that I should be upright. Can we get on our knees? And I'm like, okay, this went from barracks, basic training, to holy ground in a matter of minutes. And so we get on our knees. Here, this guy, he's got more of the fear of the Lord than I do. He's got, at this moment, he's got like more understanding than I do. Like, yeah, this might be a good idea. Um, and so now I'm like, okay, he's going out. I mean, he doesn't care who sees this. I'm like, all right. So we're on our knees. I put my hand on his back. And, and I lead him in just a very simple prayer. At this time, people are watching. I mean, it's like, oh, we, you know, it's, it's gotten awkward here. God is the mind making us a little awkward at times. And so I pray with him, and he comes up, and his tears are flowing, and he just lifts his arms, and I'm free. I feel so free. And we're both crying in our boxers and t-shirts and flip-flops and hugging each other, and, uh, and this kid's countenance, I mean, it's changed. Again, I'm not saying that we didn't always see that. Sometimes you're planting seeds. Sometimes the seed that you plant later on comes to fruition. But it's fun to see it. I'm not going to lie. And, and throughout basically his countenance was different. Again, not that he had fully gotten it. I mean, this kid, he cussed like a sailor. And sometimes he'd go, you know, God's just been so effing good to me. You know, and I mean, he would say that kind of stuff. And, and I'm like, ah, you know, and, and, you know, it's okay. God loves you. God's changing him from glory to glory. It's okay. But he was just, then he became this kind of evangelist, man. You know, guys were going through hard times in my life. You need Jesus. And he just began to bold. And it was just unbelievable to see death to life and the countless change in this day. Finally, God, you know, to me, there might be a purpose on here. We love stories of transformation. Uh, one of my favorite pastimes to do on the internet is to watch baptism and testimony. If, you, if you're ever bored and you go online and just say, just type on, you know, YouTube uh, baptisms, and, and you can, I sit there in tears watching people get baptized. Because you see, again, like the King Town Choir, you know that there is a story behind this faith, that this is not some random person, this is a person that God loves. And you see some of them coming out. There's a few pictures that I have here. That, uh, I, I, don't you love those pictures? Because you see behind, you don't have to know those people. To see death to life, and I like that guy up in the right, the right, you know, corner. That is like a war cry, freedom. You have no idea, maybe, what the pain, what the story is, what has happened in his life to save Jesus. You've taken it all, and these beautiful stories of transformation. This is one of my favorite pastimes to go on the internet and watch this stuff. I love stories of life transformation because it reminds me of why the church is this. It reminds me of the mission. 
I love the joy that we see in this picture. Which leads me into the next thought. I, I don't know if you're like me, but there are certain things I hate to spend money on. Can I get a witness? You know, there's certain things I don't mind buying new, but there are certain things I just do not like to spend money on to buy new. You know, I, I like new things, but I'm hoping that I can fix something, or it can be fixed, and I won't have to drop the money to get a, a, a new one. Devin and Robin probably don't know this story, but I have these. I love these shoes. I mean, these were not the shoes I had on. The shoes that I had on for the wedding. They were some of my favorite shoes. Very comfortable. They were just awesome shoes, and I just loved them. But the sole, the bottom, was starting to kind of disconnect. But I love these shoes. You guys didn't even know it, but even week after week, I'm sitting here, nothing is still, it's like slowly working its way off. But I love these shoes. So I go, I'm literally going to your wedding. I walk into the church in Granite, and it catches in, you know, the, 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 the little threshold, and it just, and it just completely tears it, I mean, down to the heel. So it looks like a mouth. You know what I mean? I'm, walk, I'm walking like this now, just to kind of, and I thought maybe this wouldn't look right to do a wedding to walk in. Hey guys, you know. Um, and so now I'm frantic. I call Athena. Have you left yet? You might want to bring me some shoes. But I'm thinking, I love these shoes. I love these shoes. They're so they're comfortable. They look good. I love these shoes. And so I find somebody that goes to her church down there in Granite. He has some duct tape. He's like, what's wrong? And I just raised it up and rubbed it really <laughs> So this guy goes get duct tape, and so I do this little, you know, I didn't wrap it around. Come on, I don't know. I, I, know, I know better than that, you know. Wrap it around. You got a black marker? I'll just tell you. It wasn't that bad. But I did the, I did the little double thing for a few, and, and then, oh, it's good. It's good. So as soon as it shows up with the new shoes, I'm like, nah, these are good. I, I got them. I got them. But, you know, after a while, the duct tape is not going to hold but I, I don't like buying new shoes. I, I, I'll do it when I have to, but I, I, I absolutely just despise it. But there are other things that are bigger issues. A couple of weeks ago, our furnace starts going out. And I'm thinking, maybe I'll just vacuum it out like I did like seven years ago. Some of you guys are wondering why I waited so long, right? Um, when we bought the house, the furnace was old. And so, you know, I open it down there, and, and there's chunks of metal and it's not right. You know, it's just a, and the thing's working really hard. I feel just like, we, we need to have something like, uh, no, nah, I'm good. I, I'll just back it out to the I back it out, and it improved a little bit. I'm just, five more years with this thing. So then it starts not working so well again, so I broke down and called, you know, and like, I, I called the guy, you know, and, 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 and I said, I think it needs to be serviced. I'm speaking that in faith. I think it just needs to be serviced. And so he comes and shows up and he goes, well, um, you got a crack in your heating element. There's no fixing that. I'm like, oh, why? <laughs> and stuff. And why, God? You know, I'm, I, no, I didn't. Um, but it just, I, it, it, and I'm thinking, what's the deal? Why can't it be serviced? He said, well, yeah, and he said, you know, you have heat right now. We'll start, we're, we're going to have to get it. We'll give you a bid for a new one. And uh, this evening, you know, because I have other people that I got to work with, we'll put, start putting a new one in tomorrow. I'm going to put this carbon monoxide detector in here. And if you smell gas, you need to get out of the house. 
is more than duct tape in your shoe. Because I'm thinking, why couldn't you duct tape it? You know, <laughs> just hold the gas in, right? Um, there's something bigger at risk here, right? You don't duct tape a heating element. You have to buy a new furnace, and that's what we ended up doing. But I hate spending money on those kind of things. And evidently, I'm not the only one. Take a look at some of these pictures. Um, Some of you guys are probably thinking, that's great. I never thought of that. Please don't. Don't do the top one, whatever you do. That, that's a safety issue. If you're riding along in the highway and you see somebody tire like that, you are speeding up to get around these people. That's a Tennessee tire job if I've ever seen one. The shower head, that looks, just looks like, a, hey, that'll work. How about a hose on that thing? And then the nice wooden car door. This look, may look like ingenuity, but sometimes you got to break down and buy a new one. At some point, you have to break down and buy a new one. And so these are funny pictures, and we laugh, and we're reminded of when we tried to do something like that. Again, if you are getting ideas here, that is not the point of these pictures. But you know, our spiritual lives are a lot like that. We, we feel that we can fix it. I can change. I can do it. It becomes self-reliant. I can duct tape the tire. I can, I can do that. I, and, and, and we don't run to the one who can give us the change that we need. It will be different this time. If I can just get my circumstances to change and fall in the right direction, then things will be different. Some even try a little bit of Jesus and they still feel empty. You've heard me talk about that crisis, Jesus. When things are not going well, I'll sign up and I'll, yes, Jesus, if you get me out of this, I'll follow you forever. And we usually don't. And we do everything but fall on our knees and we humble ourselves before Him. Total surrender to Him. Realize our desperate need of Him. And when we do that and we admit that we have a crack in the proverbial heating element of our hearts, God, I can't fix this. I need you to fix I need a new one. I need a new heart. I've tried to self-reliance. I've tried my own way. When we come to that realization and we humble ourselves before the Lord, the greatest decision that we make. And then what we get from Him is new life not duct-taking the old one. Not trying to just fix what is broken. He gives us new life. That's what we get in Christ. We get new hope. We get new joy. We get new peace. We get a brand new start in Jesus. So I want to look at this passage from 2 Corinthians 5. Again, a well-known passage. That, uh, this will be the key passage over the next few weeks. Paul is writing to the Corinthian church. And again, we know verse 17, and we'll get to that one in a moment. You know, that's the, the, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life has gone, a new life has begun. A lot of us familiar. We've heard that. You may have seen it up on someone's fridge. Um, that's famous. Um, but I want to drop back a few verses, and I want to kind of look through this and kind of build through it, and, uh, and, and then we'll, we'll close kind of with some, with some thoughts that I have about how 
Paul writes to have a new life. Let's look at this passage here. Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. Are we commending ourselves to you again? No, we are giving you a reason to be proud of us so you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. He's writing this letter and this ministry. Paul has this ministry team that has been traveling and proclaiming the gospel, and so he's writing to them about that. We want you to be proud of us for sincerity of our heart. He's challenging them too. If it seems we're crazy, it is to bring glory to God. And if we're in our right minds, it's for your benefit. Verse 14. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive His new life will no longer live for themselves. There you see repentance. There you see new life. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know Him now. Now that we know Him, it's changed. And then it leads us. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. So just dropping back, and I want to just kind of work through this for a moment. Verse 11 says, we have a fearful responsibility to share the good news of Jesus to others. So Paul says, it's a fearful responsibility. And that's why this whole idea of life change and newness and crush, we need to be reminded of that. That we are on mission with Him. Again, it doesn't all fall to us, but we at least need to make the most of the opportunities that God's given us day to day. That we go out as, and remember, not to just get in the rut of life, but to say, I'm here on mission with Christ to maybe encourage someone, maybe to be, brighten up someone's day. It's all holy. It's all good. It doesn't mean that you have to go everywhere and preach. You preach by how you live your life as much as by what you say. Probably more by how you live your life. But it's a fearful responsibility. And eternal death and life are in the balance. Again, we don't save people, God, but the hope that works in and through us. Be a light. Live the new life in Christ that you have. That's why this message is as much for us as the church as it is for the lost. The newness of Christ. Be reminded of the newness you have in Christ. Sometimes we forget. Verses 12 through 13, he said, It isn't about commending ourselves, trying to show how awesome we are. That's what he's talking about, you know, the, the differentiation of people that are claiming to have a spectacular ministry. Paul says, we're not commending ourselves. This is not about when we go out, how awesome we are. It's not about proclaiming the name of Community Bible Church. It's not about proclaiming the name of you or me or how awesome we are. It is about us being sincere. The gospel is about not about drawing attention to us. It's about drawing attention to Jesus Christ through how we live. We aren't called to put our gift on display. He works and we can ask for the gift of the Spirit to be in operation in our life, but it's not to put them on display to show how awesome we are. Again, it is to point people to Christ always. I want my testimony, I want the, the, the testimony of this church to be that what we have sincere hearts. That's what Paul says, is to have sincere hearts that we truly love people. 
And we're actively pointing them to Jesus. But however he uses it, through gifts, through encouragement, through whatever, we're pointing people to Christ. And then he says, if it seems we are crazy, don't you love that? Sometimes people think we're crazy. We do. They, I mean, it, it, we, we seem crazy to people. I think about that moment with Mike in the dorm room. Some people, I think, you know, that, that you know, just like, whoa, you know, I'm going to walk the other way here. They think they're crazy. And Paul says, you know, if it seems we're crazy, you know, let it be to the glory of God. Sometimes you love people or you give to people in the name of Jesus and people think you're crazy. They don't understand because it's counterculture. You're not thinking of yourself. You're thinking of others. And that seems a little crazy, but the results aren't ours. Now, let me stop here. Don't be really crazy. Please, don't be really crazy. Sometimes we, in trying to be overly spiritual, we can come across as cuckoo for cocoa puffs. And please don't do that. If you're going to be crazy, be crazy. Uh, you know, let it, let, let it be for the right of having a sincere heart, as Paul said. If people think you're crazy for that, that's, that's just between them and God. And then he said, if, if we're in our right minds, it's your benefit. So some see it as genuine, but be sincere, be authentic. Verse 14, he locks down a key thought here. Either way, Christ's love controls us, right? Christ's love controls us. This should be our motivation. Our motivation shouldn't be guilt. Our motivation shouldn't be, I'm trying to do more for God to like me more. I'm trying to earn God's favor, earn God's love. He, he, he said, his love is my motivation. He loves me, and I love him, and I'm motivated by that love. And then if we really believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that, that we have all died to our old lives. And that's why, again, we need to remind ourselves every day of what Jesus did for us out of love, and then out of that love and receiving His love that we love others. We really believe it. We also can believe that we have died to our old life. So why is it that we at times go back to our old patterns and our habits? Because we do, don't we? Isaiah 53, we like sheep have gone astray. Each have turned to our own way. We are like sheep. That wasn't a compliment. We're aimless at times. We're and sometimes we go back into the old patterns and we come to Christ and the old life is gone and we're walking in new life and then we find ourselves coming back around and we're doing these old things and thinking the old ways and saying the old things and living the old and we're back in these old patterns. Why is that? And I think sometimes we, we forget. We Again, we, we need to come back to our first love. That's what Jesus wrote to the church in Ephesus. He said, come back to your first love. Remember what you did. You guys are going through the motions and you're doing stuff, but you have forgotten love. You have forgotten that this is a relationship. You have forgotten, forgotten to be motivated by love. And then when I understand that He loves me, it helps me come back to the new life that He created me. Verse 15, it says, He died for everyone so that those who receive it in life will no longer live for themselves. They no longer live for themselves. We understand that this is not about me, this is for Christ, and we live to touch others. And then verse 16, I love this. He says, We have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. 
It's very important. When you're walking in newness of Christ, it helps you to have grace for other people, mercy for other people, seeing others through the lens of Christ. And so you're not condemning, and you're not... When, when you get into the old pattern of gossip and slander and, and, and saying negative things about people, tearing people down, the problem is your heart with Jesus. Because now you're evaluating them from a human point of view. That's what Paul, we stop evaluating from a human point of view. We see others with this perspective. So we also, and this goes for ourselves, a lot of times we are our own worst critics, and so we condemn ourselves. So we see ourselves through a human point of view. Some of you guys need to forgive yourself. Some of you guys need to receive the grace and mercy of Christ in a new way today, because a lot of times when we're critical of others, we have been critical of ourselves. So we stop looking instead of judgment and condemnation and shame. We see the grace and mercy and love. And then he says something interesting. He said, one time we thought Christ nearly from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. And I think that this is very important for us to cue in on this passage. Because I think this is where a lot of people get into trouble when it pertains to Jesus. We we, 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 we see him from a human point of view. In other words, we bring him down to my level of human reasoning, human logic, human perspective, human thinking. And I bring Jesus down to my level. Now, he did become one of us. He left heaven and become one of us. But he is still the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He was fully man, but he was fully God. We cannot bring him down to my level where now I, you know, I... I have Jesus, and now He endorses me. He lives to kind of serve me. No, that is wrong. We serve Him as the master of our lives. He is beyond our human reasons. He's beyond our human comprehension. Some people are open to Jesus, but they don't think that He really is the only way. Except that He said that He was the only way. And then we... Well, did he really mean that? And you twist the scripture and go, well, what does that mean exactly? Did he really exclusively? Yes, he meant it exclusively. He wouldn't have gone to the cross otherwise. He meant what he said. I don't think it's confusing at all about what he said of himself. So then we, the dilemma is he's either who he said he was or he's not. We are not the ones that determine that of who he said he was. We have to determine do we believe it or not. Some see Jesus from merely a religious perspective. He's a religious leader and he wants to be us to be more moral and good. Some people like some of the things he says, but not all of the things he says. And they try to justify how, justify how they live, again, by arguing interpretation. Some see him as only love with no justice, no judgment. Others see him as only justice and judgment and no love. We all fit somewhere in those categories. We wrestle. And that's what Paul says. Don't look at him from a merely a human perspective. Now that we know him, we see him differently. Some see him as an answer to get out of their hard circumstances. Some see him as, my again, he works for me. I'll tell him what he will do or won't do. Some, we, we, we have made him Savior, but not Lord. He is Lord. That means supreme control of your life. 
Christianity can only be understood in this. Unconditional, complete, and total surrender of your life to Jesus. Not a part of you, not 95% of you, all of you belonging to Him. He is Lord. Not just Savior. Lord. And if He's not Lord, you're going to have a place of restful in your life. And you're going to have constant questions and being in and out and kind of blown by the wind. It's very hard if you Lord or not. And some of us need to evaluate that in the heart. Others see him as a person that helps me feel better about myself. So if we're not careful, we can make Jesus a, a Jesus of our own creation and not see him for who he really is. Paul was including himself in that. Did you hear what he said? We, we used to see Jesus from a human group. He said, I, I've done it. I've been there. He said, oh, how we know him differently now. Because what does all this mean? Where's Paul going with this? And at the end, he had this crescendo that he's building up to in verse 17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. And so he's steering with us through how to have a new life in Christ. And it parallels with something Jesus said. I'm going to close with these. I'm going to go quickly here. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on here. If you're taking notes, write quickly. How do we have a new life? How do we have a new heart? How do we have a new mind, a new posture, a new attitude, and ultimately a new life in Christ? We find it here in this passage. Number one, be compelled and motivated by Christ's love. Don't forget how much He loves you. Don't be compelled by trying to get Him to love you. Be compelled that He already does love you. He proved it on the cross. He sees you with grace, mercy, and compassion. And that doesn't mean that you can now live any, any, any way you want to live. He still wants to be Lord. It doesn't mean you can do whatever you want to do. It means that if you truly know His love, you will want to love Him back and you will want to live the way He wants you to live and to obey Him. As Lord, I love you and you can be the master of my heart every day, every day of my life because I see your great love. Number two, really believe that Christ died for you. That's what Paul's saying. And remember, he's building up how to have a new life, but really believe that Christ died for you. And I know that this sounds like, are we in elementary Christianity? Yes, we are, because we all need to be reminded of this. We get into a rut, we get dry, we lose our passion because we forget this stuff. Come back to your first book. He really died for you. He really was raised for you. This is the good news of Jesus. We are sinners. We're born into sin, and we deserve punishment and judgment. And Christ steps into our reality. He steps into our death penalty for us, takes it upon Himself so that we can be free and have new life. That really did happen. Believe that. Really believe that Christ has you free. Believe that when you receive His new life in you, you are dead to your old life and living for yourself and instead living completely for Christ. When you receive this new life, you're dead to your old life. Really believe that. Really believe that. God, thank you that you brought me to a new life. I don't have to be dictated by my old life and old patterns. When you go back there, be reminded again, God, I'm asking for your new life today. 
You might have to ask God for this every day. God, give me the new life in Christ today. I'm not saying we get re-saved over and over again. Then be reminded, God, thank you for your love and your grace, and I grab hold of your new life for me today. That I'm dead to that stuff. I don't have to be dictated by that stuff. Because I'm walking in newness of life with you. Number four. Don't evaluate and define Jesus from a human earthly point of view. If you want a new life, if you've done this in any area of your life, I encourage you today to be honest with God. God, forgive me, because I have brought Jesus to my level of understanding. I've defined him in my own way, and I've evaluated him from a human point of view. Know that he is God. He is Savior. He is Lord. He's love, and he's also judge. He is the way, the only way. He is the truth and the life. He isn't an add-on to our religious moral efforts. He is the one true living eternal God who will rule and reign forever. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. And we have hope in Him that when we give our hearts to Him, we'll spend eternity with Him. Man, three of you guys are excited. Thank you, guys. Everybody else is going to stir up new life. Remember what we have in Christ. And I'll be excited about that point too. But we don't define Him. He defines us. And five is this. When you belong to Christ, you become a new person. God wants to change your heart, change your hopes, change your attitudes, change your choices, give you a new countenance. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. Isn't that awesome? This can only come. You, 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 get, you see the key word there? There's a key word in there. The word is belong. When you belong to Christ, it's the new living translation is that you belong to Christ. You know what belong? Belong is ownership. You're mine. You're not your own. It's what God gave earlier when Sandy's coming down the aisle and many people get that. You're mine. You're not someone else's. You're mine. And Jesus sees us and He says, I want you to belong to me. If you want new life, you need to belong to me. And then what we do is we hand them about 65%. And some people do that in an emotional response and, you know, like, you know, whatever you, wherever you're at with altar calls or and I believe in altar calls and I believe in those moments and decisions for Christ. It's like Mike Yegas asked Jesus into his heart. And, and those moments happen. But if we're not careful, we come with this contract with Jesus. I'll give you this 65% of my life because this is the stuff that's really messed up. This other 35%, I got this, I'm good. Guess what the enemy's going to cue in on that 35% and you're going to hold on to part of your life. Jesus wants you to belong to Him. If you want new life, it's Lordship. It's Lordship. It's do you belong to Him. And I would say this, if you are not walking in newness of life, it might mean that you don't completely belong to Him. It might mean that you're still holding on to the right to own your own life, to put parts and places where you don't want to give to Christ. Christianity, I'm convinced of this, and I can say from experience because I've lived it. I've lived that roller coaster life of up and down and up and down, in and out, 
I love you, God. I don't know if I even know God. And, and I came to a place in my own heart, in my testimony, and I'm going to share that at some point in this series. But um, it is total, unconditional surrender of my life. That's what you need to find. It's requiring of all of us. It's the best decision you'll ever make. It's the best decision you'll ever make. So do you belong to Him? Are you still holding on to part of your life? And you won't give that to Him? Allow the Lord to check your heart. Because He does love us, but He loves us too much to leave us in our old ways. That's why the old has gone. He loves you so much that He doesn't want to leave you in the old patterns and habits. But I also love that it's, 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 it's the old life is gone, the new life has to be begun. And so there is this process. Because it all goes back to our first life. It all goes back to relationship. He wants to walk with you in relationship, loving you, making you into a new person as you walk with Him. Don't forget relationship. Don't forget the love. He, this is a relational uh, uh, um, a process passage. He doesn't say you instantaneously. Now, you know, you, you can, your countenance changes and you can have a new life, but now the new life has begun. Now we're, now we're walking. Now we're going and saying, Jesus, I need you every day. And it's realizing I need him every day. I need the newness that you have of life in, in today. Because if we don't remember that and we forget love and we forget relationship, that's what causes us to go back into those old patterns. To belong to him, to make him Lord. Does He have your life? Do you belong to Him? Is there, is there fruit in your life when people see you? Do they recognize you as a Christ follower? Do they see something different about you? He wants to give us a newness in life. And now, I'm going to close with this passage from Jesus. I want you to hear about what Jesus says and how it parallels with what Paul just says. Let's look at that. Jesus began to tell them, the Son of Man, he's talking about himself, he's talking to his disciples here, that he's going to suffer. It's a heavy passage of where he's at. And he said, Jesus began to tell them that the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things and be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, and the people of really the thought. That he would be killed. But three days later, he would rise from the dead. And he's giving them, he's telling them what's going to happen. And he's, he said, I'm going to be killed. I'm going to rise from the dead. As he talked about this openly with his disciples, Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Can I pause here? Don't reprimand Jesus. He's right, and we're not. Now, we'll argue with him. There's times when you've asked him, like, God, I'll do anything. And he just speaks to you, and you go, what's that for that? Lord, I'll do anything. Well, will you forgive that person? Nope. <laughs> Will you do this and obedience? Nope. So Peter takes him aside and reprimands him for saying such things. Here's Jesus' response to our reprimand. Jesus turned around and looked at his disciples and reprimanded Peter. What does he say? Get away from me, Satan. When Jesus is calling you the devil, you've had a bad day. But listen to what he says. Does this sound familiar with what Paul just told us? You are seeing things merely from a human point of view and not from God. 
the world is in chaos, even religious chaos, and you have all these different thoughts and beliefs, and this person believes that and believes this, and this is okay and this is not, and we may, because of this, we see things merely from a human point of view and not from God. His is the point of view that is the only one that matters. And so Peter is saying, this doesn't, basically Peter is saying, this doesn't work out for me and I. You dying was not what we had in mind. Like literally dying. We understand that you're calling us you know, to die to ourselves. And we'll, but no, this doesn't work. And sometimes when we are looking from a human perspective and, we, and, and God is saying, I'm, I'm asking you to do something, well, I'm asking you to forsake this, I'm asking you, and sometimes we'll say, well, you don't really mean that. And he's saying, be very careful, because that's maybe the devil whispering in your ear. You're seeing things from a human perspective and not from God's. Because this was God's plan. This was this, this is the Father's plan that I have to die and I'm going to be raised from the dead. Let's go to the next thing. He, and then immediately, here's what God's perspective. Then, all right, he just reprimands Peter. I don't know what Peter's doing after that if he's like sitting down going, ooh, I shouldn't have said that. Um, he says this, he's calling the crowd to join his disciples. So there's people kind of around. He's having this moment. And he says, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways. Remember what Paul said? We're not living from our, of our own self anymore. That's the old life. We take up our cross and we follow him. Take up your cross. We die to ourselves. We die to ourselves. A sacrifice can't be partly, you can't be a partial sacrifice. You're, you're either all in or you're not. And he's just taking the problem. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. That's the newness of life. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Let the words of Jesus, is there anything worth more than your soul? What's your soul worth to you? What's your eternal life worth to you? So how do you have new life? You stop trying to hold on to your own old life. You take it to cross. Again, that means surrender. Stop trying to gain the world and end up losing your soul. Your life is precious to God and He wants the best for you. Believe that. He wants to give you new life, new hope, new dreams, new perspective. His hope, His dreams, His perspective, not yours. Your life is precious to God. He wants you to stop trying to duct tape your life. He wants to give you a new life. So you humble yourself to Him today and surrender your heart to Him. He gives you new life, new desires, new perspective. So what will your response be today when you stand with you and pray? First thing I want to do is, just with no one looking around, if you could just close your eyes, please, with no mask in this. 